this week's podcast. I'm your host, Margaret Pendo, and today's guest is Frida Terrazas Carillo. Frida is originally from Mexico and graduating this May 2021 with a degree in international relations and a minor in French. Currently, Frida is the student body president and is in charge of heading not only the executive board, but also the academics and policy committee at Franklin. We will get more into that during the podcast. Frida is very is a very active member of the current Franklin community and really brings such a delightful and diligent energy wherever she goes. Welcome to the podcast, Frida. Thanks for being here. Hi, thank you for having me. I feel, you know, so excited that I'm your first current uh, student in this podcast. So thank you, Margaret, for inviting me. Yes, of course. So let's just get into this thing, why don't we? So let's start off with talking about when you ran for student body president. So what was your main motivation for running for student body president? And, you know, kind of, do you feel like you were able to accomplish your goals when you started because of COVID? Like, how did that impact your, you know, position? Okay, yeah. So I guess my main motivation for running for president was that I wanted to remain involved in the community, you know, with the Franklin family while helping all of the different groups on campus. So I wanted to, um, sorry, provide clubs the support they needed and help, you know, students attend academic conferences, but at the same time have fun in the events that we were gonna organize as well. So I, you know, I would have enjoyed having some competition now that the election is happening today, but I'm so glad I did it and I, have enjoyed it so much despite it being my senior year and I also remember like celebrating you know my election as SGA president in the new uh, building balcony which now does not exist and I remember thinking that no matter what was going to happen with the pandemic like I knew the community was going to be there to support me and like to support each other and I think you know it has definitely been hard but this pandemic has brought out the creativity and like the student body and I feel like we have all found you know different and creative ways to have fun and remain safe at the same time yeah that is funny I forgot today is the election day so it's officially you know you're handing over the position pretty soon that's very exciting yeah I'm very excited to see who's going to be my successor (laughs) um so as your time as president, what would you say would have been the hardest part so far? So for me, at least in the beginning, the hardest part was, you know, being able, it's going to sound weird, but I guess um, giving up control because I was, I'm, I'm a little of a control freak. And so I, you know, in the beginning, I struggled like with giving giving others a chance to do certain things but now I have like an amazing team and I know that I can trust them a hundred percent so I love that I'm able to rely on the team and you know if I tell them to do something like they'll do whatever they can like whatever is in their hands to support the team and the community and yeah. Now that you're kind of Moving on from this leadership position, what advice would you give someone looking to take any kind of leadership position on campus? Um, I mean, my advice would be that um, leaders do not always need to be right, but I feel like they need to be supportive for those like they are leading. 
And so it not it does not always involve being the one making the decisions, but like sometimes it is just listening to someone or what others have to say and, and also having the ability to accept when they're wrong. So um, another thing I would say is like being a leader involves like um, a lot of adaptability because, you know, situations never go the way you plan them to or they rarely do. And so it is a way that re- you, that you react during these situations that define you as a leader. And so this is something that I saw like throughout my Franklin career, like as an orientation mentor, as an orientation assistant during the pandemic, it was so like my, my OA partner and I, we would plan something and you know, everything. <laughs> we, we called it a, an organized chaos because it was just, you know, it was just crazy, but I love the experience. Yeah, I can only imagine leading orientation during the first time under a pandemic that must have been insane what were some of the things that you did like as preparation for that i know you made videos but yeah um danny and i made a lot of videos and uh we also kind of organized you know the what the arrival days would look like because we had to kind of coordinate and see you know, make sure that not a lot of people congregated in the same areas at the same time. And, you know, as orientation assistant, you kind of fill in wherever help is needed. And so it involved a lot of running around, kind of making sure that people were in their place and also, you know, have a positive um, face and like a positive aura for the people arriving at Franklin. And also the returning students were like arriving at the same time. So it was just a lot of people at once whereas before I guess it was like you know more spread out like the new students would arrive and then the week after it would be the returning students and so it was just a lot in in two days and I guess orientation yeah it was also shortened during that period but it was it was amazing but I think now I respect people who make up schedules so much more because it's so it takes up a lot you know it takes a it takes a lot of brain power so yeah no for sure for sure and so how do you think being a senior and being student government president has affected like how how has that been for you in general Uh, i mean i would say there has definitely been long days and there's days where you know i wish i had more time to dedicate to my thesis or things like that. But I, you know, I, I feel like the most rewarding part of my experience as president has been, you know, moments like, like Saturday, you know, where like, all of the hard work pays off. And sorry, I think we were able to hear that. That was my email. Um, Sorry. But yeah, um, like Saturday, being able to speak in the top of ceremony was, I guess, my my favorite part of being president, you know, just being able to be behind the scenes and still like kind of speak on behalf of the student body is amazing. And so, yes, I think my time management has improved this year a lot, but I I don't regret it at all. Yeah. And you mentioned your thesis, which I know is a sensitive topic at the time. Um, but, you know, writing your thesis and managing these things, what is, what is some advice you might have for your day-to-day kind of management of all of your responsibility? So what I have figured out helps, at least for me, is to kind of allocate 
a certain amount of time to certain things. So first of all, like I, I don't think I would have survived this year without coffee. Like I'm such a coffee person. And so I usually don't interact with anyone else until I've had my first cup of coffee. But I also remember that like when I was a junior, like a bunch of seniors who were also writing thesis told me, you know, as hard as it sounds, as, you know, as difficult as they knew it was going to be, like they were like, you have to write at least a little bit every day. Like you have to be active on the topic of your teeth. sorry thesis and so for example like there's days where I know I or I have a writer's block you know and like they were like uh, it doesn't matter as long as you keep writing and reading or like still thinking about your topic because I don't know in the beginning of the semester I would kind of avoid thinking about it and you know until the deadline approached and I was like you know I really need to keep thinking about this and kind of not ignoring it because I feel like that's what most people tend to do and just stress out and avoid it. And I I feel like the more you avoid it, the worse it's going to be in the long term for you. And so, I I mean, I know a few people who wrote their thesis in like a week and props to them, but I just cannot do that, you know. So um, I would just say allocate, you know, time to different tasks. So even if I haven't finished, you know, my calm homework or my calm reading, I just do it for an hour. And then I guess that's better than not doing it at all, you know. And so I guess after that one hour, then I write an hour on my thesis. Or another method that has worked, and I know we've done it together, is like Pomodoro. And I also know that doesn't work for everyone and that doesn't work for me all the time but sometimes it does help to have someone or some you know program reminding you that you have an allocated time to finish a task and so yeah I feel like that has been really helpful for me yeah I live breathe die Pomodoro on certain days (laughs) I can't go anywhere near it so yeah there's days where you're like yeah don't control me you know I I (laughs) I'm going to do it no matter when you tell me to stop. But um, would you mind sharing what your thesis topic is about? Yeah, so my thesis is comparing Mexico and Brazil. And actually today, one of the books that I needed for my thesis arrived. So I'm really excited to see if there's anything new that I can add in there. But it's comparing Mexico and Brazil in terms of like their development strategies. And so it all started in like the 1920s and 30s with like the Economic Commission for Latin America after the Great Depression and things like that. That's when the Latin American economy started kind of, you know, experimenting and deciding that they didn't want to do whatever the U.S. was doing because they, you know, of course, not every strategy works exactly the same way in every country. And so they were like, we need Latin American solutions for the Latin American problems. Like our economies are not the same. Therefore, we need to find a way to kind of distance ourselves from the U.S. and kind of have development on our own. And so it's kind of this whole idea of seeing how Mexico and Brazil kind of went in different ways and how how much, I guess, they, they're still dependent in their development style. Hmm. Because Mexico is closer to the U.S., so... Whether we want to or not, you know, we are dependent on the U.S. And so it's also, you know, kind of you see the evolution of the political system and 
the economic strategies that they have taken throughout the years. And the reason why I started like thinking about this is because, you know, now the current presidents are neo-populist. And so I guess that era in the 1930s was also accompanied by populism. And so I'm just trying to kind of compare and see how that era kind of influenced what we have today. That's super interesting. Do you feel like this has been giving you a deeper insight to Mexico or is it kind of confirming or solidifying things you may already know? No, I I think it's been crazy how much I've been learning about the country and I love it because in my family, of course, everyone's like political, but I feel like, I don't know, my grandpa is the one that focuses on history. So I love comparing what I've been reading with him. You know, I tell him, because um, my thesis advisor gave me a book written by a Mexican president and has a, you know, a, a personal dedication in the front. And I felt like a little kid on Christmas, like, like, mom, I'm holding, <laughs> I'm holding a, a book that, you know, that was written and signed by a Mexican president. Like, no matter how much I agree or disagree with whatever he did, you know, I, I don't know, I felt it's crazy to have it sitting on my desk. And so I feel like, yeah, It's also interesting to see, because in this book especially, like this president talks about his presidency and he acknowledges, you know, the the mistakes that he made. And he he was also president like during the period, like the neoliberal period, which was the, the one before the one we have now. And so it's interesting to see how he kind of talks about how his mistakes have shaped the way or led to what we have today. And so even he acknowledged it in the past, you know, this was written in the 2000s. And so it's crazy how he kind of predicted what was going to happen. That is super interesting. I'm curious, actually, how is it? I'm assuming this is written in Spanish. Yeah. Yeah. So how is it kind of reading one thing in one language and then writing in English or vice versa? I mean, it's it's really interesting. I feel I appreciate the work that translators do so much more now because it's so hard like I was trying to kind of translate a UN like speech that one of the presidents had done and one of the quotes that he had were so good that I I was like how am I going to be able to translate this in the same exact way that has the same impact for the reader you know it's just so hard that I just wanted to leave it in, in in Spanish and just you know hope for the best. Yeah. I mean, all my readers are super smart, so they they probably will be able to get it even if I don't translate it. But I, yeah, it's definitely hard. My my mom was doing the same thing with her uh, PhD thesis, and I, it's so hard. Yeah, I can only imagine. I mean, I would love to struggle with translating things because that would mean that I would speak multiple languages. <laughs> so you do, you do. <laughs> sounds like that's really interesting but I do think all of the readers speak Spanish so that will be very interesting so kind of getting a little bit more nostalgic and sentimental um looking back at your time at Franklin what would you say you're most grateful for um I would say I'm most grateful for the unexpected friendships that I made Mm. you know (laughs) But also, I, you know, I've also been thinking a lot about my professors. And I, you know, 
I also look back at my time at Franklin and I love the fact that they were all very passionate about what, whatever it is that they were teaching. And so I remember with one of my professors, if we wanted to distract, <laughs> to distract them, we would just give them one word that related to the topic of interest and they would go on for hours, you know? Like just the fact that the professors can go on and on with just one word or one question that someone had is incredible to me. Like I wish in, at some point in the future I can have so much knowledge about something that I can just, you know, talk about it without no preparation and with the amount of passion that they were doing in the classroom, you know. And so I would also, I also look back fondly on all of the professors that I, that I had and that, that I guess taught me so much. And I, I feel like I'm going to cry now. <laughs> Yeah, no, the professors are a super special part of the experience, not only like in the classroom, but outside the classroom, just being able to interact with them and learn from them in many different ways has been super amazing. And so now kind of looking forward, where do you see yourself going? Like, what are some things that you're curious about doing in the next kind of phase transition of your life, I guess? Um, well, right now, I guess the exciting thing is that you know, there's nothing set in stone and we can do whatever we want now that we graduate. But I see myself kind of working in an international organization and focusing on regional development, you know, kind of the, the same topic as my thesis. And so my dream would be working like in the OCDE or something like that. But I guess we, we, we will see where life takes me after Franklin. Yeah, no, and I think there's definitely very exciting things to come, so. Well, I don't want to end the the podcast, but I guess it's time. Thank Me neither. I kind of forgot we were, you know, on the podcast for a second there. But thank you so much for being a part of the podcast. I have had a wonderful time. Me too. Thank you for having me. Of course. See you. See you.